as a Christian, I, I take the topic of race relations. Honestly, I don't really like the word race, but I, I take the topic of race rela- relations very seriously. And what I find very disturbing today is how the church is responding to this issue, how we are going about, I guess, improperly seeking racial reconciliation. And there is a proper way to go about it, but I feel that we are going about it all wrong. And I, uh, I very clearly see that in the book of Acts, that the Bible says that we are all equal. We are all created equal. In fact, in Acts 17.26, it says that we are all created from the same two people, that we're all descendants of Adam and Eve, and we are the, the invitation to salvation is the same for all people, regardless of what country you're from, regardless of your skin color, regardless of any of the external factors, regardless of anything you inherited uh, through your genes. The gift of salvation is free for everybody. So when I see stories like the one that I saw this past week, and the situation has since been resolved, uh, unfortunately, unsuccessfully, that being the issue of this submarine that went down, you've heard of it, it was funded, the the building of the submarine was funded by a man by the name of Hamish, uh, that would be Hamish Harding, he was a billionaire, and he funded the building of this submarine to go down and to look at the wreckage of the Titanic. He was going to have several people on board. And he wanted to make sure that on this project, that he didn't have any of those 50-plus-year-old white guys helping out with it or even giving them advice on how to go about it. He didn't want 50-plus-year-old experts who are white working on this project. In fact, ironically, I see that Hamish Harding is actually a white man himself from the UK even, um, which is interesting because Hamish, I don't see as being an English name per se. So maybe he has some sort of Islamic roots or something that goes along with him. But what he said he wanted to do is he wanted uh, he wanted to inspire people through the diversity of his team. And by the way, I am not advocating against the idea of diversity inside the workplace. But again, there is this notion that we have to force it. There's this notion that we need to shoehorn it in so that we can have these inspirational stories. But, you know, when we look at history, the most inspirational stories that we see of people coming out of a a, a situation where they were maybe looked at negatively, where they're discriminated against because their skin color or their religion or whatever, it's not because people were like, well, you know what, we need to find an example. The most inspirational tales of that happening are the ones where people rose up naturally through the ranks and achieved something great. And this Hamish Harding was the one who funded this. He had, if I'm not mistaken, graduate students build it. And then the submarine went down and they lost contact and apparently it imploded shortly after it, it descended. It's very sad. What I find very fascinating about this story is not just the story in itself, but also the reality that Barack Obama, former President Barack Obama, decided to weigh in on this topic. And I found that very fascinating. And in fact, he wasn't per se weighing in on the submarine disappearing and the people on board dying, but rather in true Barack Obama fashion, 
he was saying that this is a sign of inequality. Not that the submarine sank, but the fact that this other story about this migrant vessel, this this boat that was carrying hundreds of migrants from Libya to Italy had sank, had capsized in the Mediterranean Sea and that hundreds of people had died. Why wasn't that getting the media coverage that this submarine was? Now, you listen to that, you say, oh, Barack Obama, you're right. Man, so many more people died on this migrant vessel than what died on this submarine. I, you know, there's like four or five, I don't know, just a handful of people that died on the submarine and bunches of people that died on this migrant, migrant ship. But there is a very clear difference between the two situations that makes the submarine stand out above this migrant vessel. For instance, you didn't have anybody crossing over on this migrant ship saying, you know what, we don't want any white people. We don't want any Europeans. We don't want any black people. We don't want any Jewish people to be responsible for having built our ship. We don't want them having been responsible for captaining, commandeering our ship. We don't want any help from them whatsoever. That that was not their attitude. Their, their attitude was they were fleeing a dangerous situation. They knew their lives were in danger. They knew getting on this boat was dangerous and risky. And ultimately, many of them paid the ultimate price, namely with their lives because of that. Not because of something that they foolishly did, but because they weighed the cost of their freedom and they decided that going on the trip on this vessel was worth it. Now, I'm not going to comment too much whether or not what they did was right, wrong, or if they're even telling the truth about it being a migrant vessel. But the truth is, is that uh, it's, it's very clear to me that Barack Obama was trying to divert the attention away from this submarine that imploded uh, for the sake of that their ideology was way off from the get-go with this. That they wanted to make, by their own words, they wanted to make a statement that they did this without consulting those 50-plus-year-old white guys that were experts on this, and they achieved it with a racially diverse team. Now, I have to ask you a question. When you watch those deep diving shows where they go underneath the water in a submarine, how many of those people that go under the water in a submersible, how many of them are not 50-plus-year-old white guys? And I'm saying this very intentionally because you don't see many people that are under the age of 50, and I don't know why, but for some reason... The vast, I'm, I'm guessing the vast majority of people that are experts in building these submarines are probably white guys. Just you know, consequently, not because of any sort of intelligence gap or anything like that, just that that's apparently who must be interested in building submarines for those purposes. Um, so what I'm getting at is that it was a really foolish decision to send this submarine down not just because of the fact that they made these racial comments, but also because of the fact that it was just foolish all around. They knew that there was problems already. I, the way that I described it to my wife is um, <clears throat> basically what it's like. I mean, so you, you have the Challenger back in, I think it was the 80s, that exploded. And that was a well-engineered craft. There weren't any problems until... It was about to launch, and then there was a small hole, I believe, within uh, the gas tanks. And what happened is the fuel started leaking. It launched into the sky, and then the, the fuel caught on fire, and it blew up. And it was tragic. 
the difference, I mean, the difference with that was that there were no problems prior to all of that. That the, I mean, everything with it was checking out, except for the fact that the leak sprung up. It was something unexpected, and it happened, and it was tragic. But what the submarine going down wasn't so much like the Challenger. It was more like a Calvin and Hobbes comic strip where they climb into their cardboard spaceship and try to fly into outer space, except for if it was really happening, what would really happen is that the cardboard spaceship Calvin and Hobbes would have burned up in the atmosphere because that's just what you expect. It was not a well-engineered craft. And if you really sent something like that up to break through the atmosphere into outer space, you would know that the people, the passengers, the pilots on board are all going to die. There's just no way they're going to survive. And that's exactly what happened with the submersible. They were already experiencing problems from the get-go. Even before they, I mean, during their testing phases, they were running into all sorts of problems. And yet, they made the decision to go down anyway. In fact, I remember uh, hearing the person who funded the project say, well, you know, we're not so concerned that we lost contact with the surface. After all, when you're going down underwater in a submarine, you don't want people annoying you from the surface anyway. And I'm thinking to myself, he did he really say that? He actually said that you don't want that contact with the surface when you're underwater anyway. And that justifies uh, your whole purpose of going down underwater is because, well, okay, you know, we wanted to go down underwater. We want to not be annoyed by the people on the surface. So the fact that we lost communication with them is no problem at all. Not considering the reality that if you lose contact with the surface world, that now you have no lifeline and you're stuck underwater. Now, did that factor into their demise or not? I, I honestly don't know. All I know is that it, the, the craft imploded, so it's poorly constructed. They should have consulted the experts on it. Um, and this is something that and again, it was their bigotry. It was, for lack of a better way of putting it, it was their racism that contributed to these problems. And it's sad that that shouldn't happen. You know, we shouldn't discriminate against people just because their skin color. If they have expertise in something, we should be willing to consult them. Um, it just makes sense, especially in an endeavor as dangerous as that. And I guess what really sparked me wanting to talk about this a little bit is uh, recently in my email, I got an email from the NFHS and uh, they encouraged the book. Uh, I didn't write down the whole name of the book. I believe it was eight ways to include uh, eight ways to create diversity and equity and inclusion for all. And it was intended to be a small group study for, I believe, athletics uh, for athletic groups. And uh, this idea of diversity, equity and inclusion, I Again, it's kind of deceptive. It's not what it sounds like. Diversity, equity, and inclusion says that everybody has something to contribute. But what the DEI movement within businesses, within organizations, is really about is it's really about imposing Marxism on, um, on our culture, in the workplace, at school, wherever it is, that that's what DEI is really about. It's really about pushing out the people that are seen as the oppressors, which are the majority, which, I mean, we, we say different ethnic racial groups are minorities. You know, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people are considered to be minorities, and white people are considered to be the majority. And what Marxism says is that, well, because the white people are the majority, 
their voices need to be silenced. They need to be suppressed because they're the oppressor and everybody else is the oppressed. And so the idea is that we need to push white people out of the commonplace, out of the places where decisions are made for our country and for our organizations, and we need to replace them with other people regardless of qualification. And that's what happened on this submarine. And they're teaching that, uh, that, that by the way, the NFHS is the National Federation of State High School Association. So they're teaching this as early as high school. I would venture to say even sooner. I, I would say that that work has started way before even high school. And it's sad because it's also seeping into the church. So many people that I've heard that really don't know how to handle the racial issue inside of the church. And for those of you wondering, I would highly recommend Vody Bakum if you want some perspective on what's going on right now inside of the church as it relates to race relations. It's very sinister. It's very anti-Christian. And what we really need to do is the body of Christ is instead of saying that this need, this group needs pushed back and this group needs elevated, is we need to love everybody equally. That That's our job inside the body of Christ, is just to extend the love of Christ to everybody equally. That's what needs to happen. And, uh, you know, I have friends of every stripe, and I know that the, oftentimes what people would say is, well, that doesn't matter, that doesn't make you not a racist. I'm sorry, I, I don't discriminate when it comes to people's ethnicities, their skin colors, and so forth. You know, I just make friends with everybody because I'm trying to love people the way that Christ loved, the way that the early church loved. You know, they said there was no more division between Jews and Greeks, men and women and so forth, that we're supposed to love everybody equally. We're all part of the, you know, when, when we have faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we're all part of the body of Christ. And likewise, we're supposed to look at all of humanity as being descendants from Adam and Eve. There's nobody who's superior. There's nobody who's inferior. We're all created by the same God. We're all descendants of the same two people. And so we should extend that love to all people, knowing that uh, that we all have something to contribute to society. We all have something that we can share with one another. We all have ways we can help one another. And uh, we don't need to be making these divisions where we say that, okay, well, there's too many of you and not enough of you. Therefore, we need to cut you off and create ways for you to make your way in. So we need to just start really, truly embracing diversity for what it is. Not by trying to level the playing field, but rather just embracing each other uh, by um, acknowledging that we all have the same rights. I mean, our constitution ensures that, that we have the same rights as one another and that we respect each other's rights and to voice our opinions. And even that's fading away right now. And I think that that's absolutely tragic. So my encouragement is to read the sermon in Acts chapter 17. And like I said, I highlight verse 26 that says that all nations were created from two people. Again, that's referring to Adam and Eve. And it's a beautiful passage because it's the Apostle Paul who was a Roman Jew who was uh, evangelizing to the Greek and Roman world. And he's letting them know that even though that they have different ethnicities and different uh, different heritages, that they all descended from the same two people. Therefore, he's not putting himself on a higher platform than them. And they aren't—they uh, aren't on a higher platform than him. After all, it's God that we answer to, not people. My name is Bill Sang. This is the Bill Sang podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening. Have a great day.